say, I'm so glad that wasn't recorded. <laughs> Good evening. I hope you are all doing well. Maseches Megillah, Daf Chav We are starting four lines from the bottom. Let's make that, yes, exactly four lines from the bottom. Oh, is that five lines from the bottom? Four lines. So in, in case uh, you thought for a moment that Hashem didn't love you, today is Rosh Chodesh. And what is the very first sigil we're discussing? Rosh Chodesh, We're going to be discussing the details of, uh, of Rosh Chodesh and other halachos as well. But today's daf, daf Chav Aleph, is the daf that discusses how we started to lane the laning for uh, Rosh Chodesh with what we call doli, by reading that second, that third pasuk twice, once for the first aliyah, and then as well as the beginning of the second aliyah. All of that David is in today's daf. What? David Meyer pointed out to me this morning, that pasuk is likely the most laned pasuk in Torah. Yeah. Okay, saying right. every month it's uh, it's every twice. Month, and then during the regular every month it's twice. And on a, on, a, on Rosh Chodesh it's four times. On a double Rosh Chodesh it's four yeah, times right. two days. Just a quick trivia question. Very good. Yeah, that's for sure. That for sure. Not, no, that, that's not a repetitive. But pasuk. Para, you know, yeah, a repetitive so singular so. pasuk. Yeah. Very good. So the Gemara is going to discuss these details. A question was posed to Ravo. You wake up this morning, you start Dafyomi, perfectly timed. How do we do the laning? We know, of course, that the primary Pasuk that we start with is and that whole sugya, that Parsha of Psukim, and a Parsha is considered from a Psucha to a psucha, to or stuma to stuma, or psucha stuma, or stuma psucha, a section of Torah in one block of language, of one block of words. That section is dahavya tmanya psuke, it's eight psukim. But we know that there's a minimum of three aliyas. So how do we lay in three psukim over eight aliyas? Hechi na'avit. Do we say, Nikre, that we should raid Trey, the first two people, are tlasa tlasa psukim, that the first two, two aliyas, the Kohen and the Levi, each get three psukim. However, if that's true, pashulahu Trey, that leaves us over with two, and that's problematic because for the third aliyah, we need to have another another. Um, Another pasuk, you can't leave over these two psukim, that doesn't work. So if you want to say, fine, maybe we need to read more than just this parsha, nikre, arba, arba, maybe we should have the kohen lane four, we'll have the levi lane four, and then we'll move into the next sections of the Torah, pashulahu shiva, the next two sections together are seven. How are those next two sections seven? The section of Uvyom HaShabbos Habyon Tre. That's two psukim. And Uvyoshe Chodashim Habyon Chamisha Sehechinabi. How then still should we read the psukim in order to be properly laying, in order to properly lane on Rosh Chodesh? So it says the Gemara, maybe we should say that for that Aliyah Nikri Tre Meha, we should read two psukim from the section of Uvyom HaShabbos, Vechad Mehanach. And one from the section of So the Gemara says that can't be as we turn to the top of because in once we go into a fresh parsha, a fresh collection of psukim in the Torah, you're not allowed to stop an aliyah within the first three psukim. Not allowed. <clears throat> Okay, says the Gemara, Likri Maybe we should read two psukim from Uviyom Ashabas. There only are two psukim in that little section in the Torah. And we should read three from the section of Uvroshei Chod And that way we have five psukim. And we haven't violated the previous mentioned halacha 
that says that you have to lay in at least three psukim into an aliyah. That's perfect. Says the Gemara, that, that has its own problem because that whole section of Rosh only has five psukim. And if you read three psukim into five, how many are left? Then only two psukim are left, but that's a problem too. Why? Because you can't leave over two psukim. You can't be within three psukim of the end. You can't end an aliyah there. That's not appropriate. Amar Lo, so what does Rava say back? I want you to understand the context and history here. This is such an important historical point. Rava was a fourth century Amora. That means that he lived in the late 300s. And by that time, they did not know how to lane Rosh Chodesh. Rava says, Amar lo, Zulo Shamati. I don't know. However, Kayotze Ba Shamati, you know what? Taka, I heard a similar sugya, and maybe we can learn from the similar sugya back to Rosh Chodesh. What's the similar sugya? Well, we learned about this already, Masechus about the Ma'amados, that when the Korbanos were brought, in addition to the Mishmar, where you had Kohan who had responsibilities in the Beis Mikdash, there were Yisraelim who had responsibilities of laning wherever they lived, and they would lane from Parshas Breshis, and we detailed this in the previous Masechta. And there we saw the following, Ditna. <clears throat> The Mishnah writes, Bayom Harishon on Sundays, the first Mishmar, uh, the group of the Ma'amados, the people in the cities, what would they do? They'd lane Breshis and Vahirakia, those two parshios. The Tani Allah, and the way that we would break down the laning, we learned on this Mishnah, we had a Brisa that says, Breshis Bishnaim. We would have two people get Aliyahs for the section of Breshis. We'd split it into two. And Yehirakia Be'echad. And the second section of Yehirakia would be the, the third Aliyah. Aliyah. But when we analyze it, the Gemara says that's not so simple. I understand that Yehirakia, that second section for the Sunday's laning of the Ma'amados, all of that should be read as one unit because it's three psukim. Perfect. Ella, the first part I don't understand. How could you have two Aliyahs with the first section of Breshis? After all, Chamisha Psukehavu. It's five sukkim. How do you break up five sukkim? Vitanya, and we have a brisa that says, You're never allowed to lane less than three sukkim. So this is what the Gemara was bothered by. The Gemara is bothered by the fact that if you take the first section of breishis, it's five sukkim before the first break, and you're giving two aliyahs out. How do you, does each person get three sukkim? How does it work? So really, what the Gemara is saying is that this is actually our question by Rosh Chodesh, because we have in the, the second and third parshios of Rosh Chodesh, of Yom HaShabbat and of Rosh Chodeshem, we have seven psukim, and then the last section we have five psukim, right? Rosh Chodeshem is five psukim. How do we break that up? So it says the Gemara that we had learned in Masechus Tainis, we learned over there, Rav Omar Doleg, Ushmul Omar Posek. Rav says that we are Doleg. Uh, normally the word Doleg means to skip. And here it actually means to repeat. So we lay in by the Ber Hashem Moshele Mor Tzavis Bnei Yisrael Vamratol Hamis Kovani Lachmi Dishai Reach Nichochi Tishmeru Lachriv Livim Moado. And then here's our key pasuk. V'Yamarta Alohem Zehayishesher Tokivu Lashem La Da 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 Shnayim Leyom Alasamid. And then when we lay in the second Aliyah, we go back to the beginning of that pasuk. That's called Dolik. So what Rav is saying is that we repeat that third Pasuk in Chumash so that it functions as the last Pasuk of the first Aliyah. Mm-hmm. And the first Pasuk of the second Aliyah, that's called Dolik. So that's what Rav says. So Shmuel Amar Posik. Shmuel says, no, we cut the Pasuk in half. In the Pasuk, there is a trap called Esnachta. When I was learning to lane, we used to call it the wishbone because it kind of looks like a wishbone. It has the uh, little prongs on the bottom. So then, no, we just stop right there. We stop in the middle. Shmuel says we break the Pasuk in 
Rav, Amardole, 12 lines down, 10 lines down, Rav says we repeat that third Pasuk and it functions as the last of the first and first of the second. My time, Amar Posik, why doesn't he say like Shmuel to split the Pasuk in half? Says the Gemara, because Kasava Rav is of the opinion that that if Moshe broke down the Pasuk in a specific way, who are we to say any differently? He doesn't hold of that principle, and he holds that you are allowed to read a Pasuk only in pieces. So therefore, instead of repeating the whole third Pasuk, what Shmuel does is he just breaks it in half. However, however, it breaks up. That's what he would do. That's how he would read it only in pieces. Says the Gemara, the reader. Rav Hananya was, uh, he was a Balkore, he was the guy in Shom. So uh, he said there was Tsar Godel Hayali Eitzel Rebbe Hanina Hagodel, different person, Hananya and Hanina. And he wanted to split up the Psukim because he was a Rebbe. He wanted to teach the kids. He wanted to split, split up the Psukim into smaller pieces. So this is a kasha on Shmuel, because we see from Reb Kara that the only time it's permissible to read a Pasuk in pieces is when you're doing it for the sake of teaching Talmud Torah to children. But what does that mean, the Dan Rosh Chodesh? And what does that mean by the Ma'amodos? It means that you can't split a Pasuk in half, Shmuel. You're not allowed to do that. So how does the Gemara answer this? Over there, why is it that by Rav Kara that we said that we're allowed to break a Pasuk in half? That's because we have no choice. Children can only retain so much information. We have to break up the Psukim into pieces. This is uh, the study of, of how to teach people. You have to know. Rabbi Noach Orlovek had a great uh, line. He says, the skill of the teacher is inversely proportionate to the age of the child. For me to speak to my peers, no big deal. For me to speak to a five-year-old, I have to start to think like a five-year-old. That's a skill. The older you are, the harder it gets because you're further and further away from that moment. So the, that's what Rabbi Orlovek said, is that the skill of the teacher is inversely proportionate to the age of the child. Brilliant. Great line. Anyways, here he says, what am I supposed to do? So he got the Kula by the kids because Lo Efshar, there was nothing else he could have done. That's how the kids have to learn. So what does Shmuel say? Hachanami Lo Efshar. Here too, by the lining, we have to split that middle pasuk. We don't have a choice. We have to split it in half. That was, he was, that was his opinion. All right, let's switch over to Shmuel's opinion and see why he doesn't hold like Rav. Who Shmuel, Amar Posek, Shmuel, who says that we split the third pasuk, my time alone, Amar Doleg. Why doesn't he say that we repeat that, fir- that third pasuk and have it be a part of both aliyahs? Says the Gemara, Shmuel rejects that possibility because we're concerned about those who are coming in and those who are going out. What's the concern about those who are going in? So if somebody walks in late on Rosh Chodesh, right after Rishon, and he sees that they're starting with the Amar Ta'alahem, so then he'll reverse engineer. That means that the first two Pesukim was by that. Be'er Hashem El Pasuk 1, number 2, Sabbath B'nai Yisrael, and then that Pasuk ends, and all of a sudden he looks at Shani, and they're starting at He's like, shake it. They, they, didn't, they didn't do it right. That's the nichnas. And what's the yos? Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Truth. That was a very truthful statement. But the other, tr- the other problem is, is for the yosin. Let's say that the guy walks out after Rishon. They lane by Daber. They lane Sabbath Ben Israel. They lane by Martalah. There's only two second left in the parsha. The guy walks out after reaching. He's like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He left over two and That's not allowed. So that's. However, a third of the way down, both of these shitas are problematic. Both Rav, who says we repeat that middle Pasuk, and the shita of Shmuel, who says that we split the Pasuk in half. 
We know parsha shel shisha psukim karnasabishnaim. That's the easy peasy stuff. You have six psukim, two people for an Elias, three and three perfect. Bishel Chamisha Psukim. Oh, what if it's five? Beautiful. We have a Tanaic source to reflect on how we should look at Rav and Shmuel. What should we expect? Well, if you're Rav, we should expect Doleg. And if you're Shmuel, we should expect Posek. Yet we see none of that in the Brisa. What does the Brisa say? V'yachid. One guy gets the Iliad. All right, let's continue and finish this. And if you really needed to break it up into two, fine. What you would do is the first guy would get three psukim, and the second guy would read uh, two psukim, the two remaining psukim of the five, and then he'd lay in one pasuk. Now, we learned above that not everybody holds that way. Says the Gemara, you're right. One sheet and the Tanaim doesn't, but this one will. Some say that when you read into the next parsha, you can't only read one that's not allowed. You have to read three. Why? Now, if in fact it's true that Rav and Shmuel have teeth to their shitas, then I don't understand. This Bryce quoted our case. We have five Sukkim and two Elias. And it did not recommend what Rav said. And it did not recommend what Shmuel said. Oh, for two. And Rav and Shmuel, Rav is allowed to actually argue on a brisa. Technically, Rav is allowed to. Rav Tanahu Upalik, because he was part of a very special, small group of people called the Dorha Ma'avar, the transitionary generation from Tanaim and Amorim. However, that's not the Gemara's answer. The Gemara totally pivots and says as follows, halfway down, shiny hasam de'afshar behachi. Over there in that brisa, when it told you how to solve that problem, when you can read the last two psukim of one ali and then go into the next section of reading either one or three, because you could solve that, you could do that. We couldn't do that over here. So therefore we had to we had to resort to the options of either dolig according to Rav or posik according to Shmuel. The Gemara says, what does that mean? So if we look up three, four lines, it says, that means that we paskin in halacha, that when one does end one parsha and go into another section of the Chumash, you're not allowed to end an aliyah within three psukim. It has to be one, two, three, and then stop, but not one, two, and then stop. That's not allowed. And as well, and uh, this is going to require, is this the hard one? I can't remember. Let's see. No, this one's not so bad. Just like you're not allowed to start an aliyah. You can't start within three. So too, you cannot leave over at the end of your aliyah. Uh, less than three psukim. You can't leave one pasuk. You can't leave psuk, two psukim. So it says the Gemara, this statement of, ta- of, uh, of Rabbi Tanchum in the name of Rabbi Shuban Levi was unnecessary. Pshita. I don't need you to make the jump for me. I understand. Once you say in the beginning, in the Resha, that you're not allowed to start laning from pasuk two, from pasuk one, you have to start from pasuk four, right? Once I know that, I should know the same thing about not ending an aliyah at that point. Why is that obvious? Hashta, because where did we see our machlokas between the Tanakama who said you could read into the next parsha one pasuk, and then the Yesh Omrim that said three psukims? It says the Gemara Hashta, in the beginning of an aliyah, the Kamekil Tanakama and Machmire Yesh Omrim, where the Tanakama there said that he allows for reading only one pasuk into the next parsha, and the and the Yesh Omrim or Machmir there. She or at the end, where even the Tanakama is not Mekil, there the Machmir Tanakama. Everyone should know that, meaning that you don't need to tell me this obvious statement that just like in the beginning, we're not allowed to start an aliyah with uh, less than three psukim from the beginning. You also can't end. That should be obvious. Says the Gemara. 
You might have said that those who come in late are common, but yosin lo But those leaving early is uncommon. Why? It's not It's not common for people to walk out during leaning. Both of them are common. Coming to Shola and leaving early, both of them are prevalent. Okay, we don't need a Gemara to tell us that. So what the Gemara says is uh, that was the Habamina. We would have thought that Yotzin lo shchiche demanche sefer Torah v'nafki that it's not common for people to leave while the sefer Torah is out. Kamashmalam. Maybe they're leaving between Elias. I don't know. It has to be something mutter, like you're not allowed to walk out in the middle of a, a laney. The Torah has to be in between Elias, and there's like these are this is in Shulchan Aruch and Mishnah Brewers. These are these are discussions in Halacha, but you're raising a good point. Nevertheless, the Gemara still says that we equate those who come to Shul late with those who leave Shul early. And so that's what the Gemara seems. I'm not, it's not Musar, I'm just saying what the Gemara, just the way the Gemara plays out. <clears throat> says the Kama, says the Gemara, where three lines before the middle with lines, the Tanakama, my shna shiure delo. Why is it that by the Tanakama, when it comes to uh, ending an aliyah, that he doesn't have a lenient opinion of allowing one Pasuk to remain? Mishum Yotzin, he's concerned about people who leave early. So says the Gemara, That's true. If you're concerned about Nechnasim Yotzin, so why is it that in the, by the beginning of the Pasuk you weren't Makbid? There you said even one Pasuk you can wrap around to, to be a part of the next Parsha with one Pasuk. So Amri, man da'ayl Here's the difference in psychology between one who comes late to Shul and one who leaves early. Um, and I don't know if this, this is a halachic thing. I, I, again, it's not it's a social thing. The Gemara says that those who come a little bit late, they don't like being late. So shiule child, they're going to ask what happened in laning. Now, remember, we're blessed. We have chumashim that delineate where Rishon, Shani, they didn't have that. And they were relying on the balkore to be the So He stopped when he stopped. We, when somebody makes a mistake like that, we correct them. No, 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 two more psukim. Or when they uh, think that they're supposed to lane, and then they're like, da, 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 da. they come into end, they go back and repeat the last word, which is unnecessary because you already finished the laning. The trap's not magical. So leave it be. So it says the Gemara, when someone walks in late, she shai. How do we paskin? Now, this Gemara is asking a two a two part question. It's asking, how do we paskin in regards to ma'amados? How do we read them? And by extension, it's also asking, how do we lane Rishon and Shani on Rosh Chodesh? Says the Gemara Shalachle Hilchas Adolig. We paskin like Rab that the pasuk of Elmarta lehem is Dolig. It is a repeated pasuk. It is both the last pasuk of Rishon and it is well the first pasuk of Sheni. Then Tzai Dolgan, the pasuk that gets repeated, is that middle pasuk that uh, that spans all five pasukim. Again, a perfect uh, overlap with uh, with Rosh Chodesh. Says the Gemara Zehaklal Kol Sheyesh Pamosaf Ibayelu. What is the Gemara going to talk about now? Tainus Tzibur Bekama. Our Mishnah seems to have omitted a Tainus Tzibur where we know that we lay in Tainus Tzibur all the time. So what's the deal? How many Aliyahs does it get? So uh, there's a Chakira to be made. Rosh Chodesh Shumoedi Korban Mosaf Arba. We know that when it comes to Rosh Chodesh, when it comes to a Moed where there's a Korban Mosaf on that day, that there's four Aliyahs. Aval Hecha Daleka Korban Mosaf Lo. Should we assume that when there's no Korban Musaf, that there isn't a fourth day. There isn't a fourth Aliyah, and therefore maybe by a Tainus Tzibur, it should only be three. Okay, there's no Korban Musaf, but we do have an addition added to our Tzvila, which is the Bracha of Anenu, that we add in. We learned about that in the previous Masech as well. So maybe we should assume that because there's something that's added to, to the Siddur, that therefore we should have some type of extra fourth Aliyah, something. So says the Gemara, we have to answer this question. We don't know if by a Tainus Tzibur there are three Aliyahs or if there are four. 
10 lines from the bottom, three lines into the middle with lines, four lines actually, says the Gemara, Toshma, let's see. Let's try to make a dig from our, from our Mishnah. We learn, So let's make a dig. Maybe we should just assume very simplistically that there's room for a dig, but there should only be three aliyahs when it comes to a tainus tzibur. Says the Gemara, it can't be that that's, uh, that that's an available diuk. Why not? Because, says the Gemara, because earlier in the Mishnah, what did it say? It said, What's the diuk from there? Okay, maybe the diuk from there is ha tainus tzibur arba. So when you have a scenario where one Mishnah can give off two implications that are opposite and conflicting, the Gemara is going to say the following line. You are making an inference in a space where you're not supposed to be making an inference. Not everything needs to be a diuk. Not everything. And here, not to say that there shouldn't be a diuk, there should be and there will be. But here, what basically is happening is, is that it was inappropriate for one to learn the Mishnah this way, and one should not make such a diuk. So let's try answer number two again. How many aliyahs are there? In a tainus tzibur, says the Gemara Toshma. Great story. The Rav ikla lebavil b'tainus tzibur. Rav was in one of the batei medrash and bavil during a tainus tzibur. Come kara b'sifra, they got up to lane. Pasach barich, for the opening of the aliyah, a bracha was made. Chasim, but at the end of the aliyah, velo barich, there was no bracha that was made. And now the next line we're going to read now, but we're going to discuss it at length later today. Nafu kule alma an paihu. Everybody fell on their faces. Uh, they were saying tachanun of some kind, something. We'll get back to this line later. The Rav did not uh, fall on his face. So it says the Gemara, let's analyze this. Michli. Rav Bisrael Kara. Rav was the third aliyah. Rav is a Yisrael. Rashi says that he was not a Kohen, he was not a lady. So my taima, if he was the, the Yisrael, my taima, why didn't he make a bracha after, after his aliyah? Now, historical note. Uh, before a takana was put into place, the minhag of laning was that the first person would make an aliyah, would make a bracha of the first bracha, and then only the mm -hmm. last person would make uh, the closing bracha, only one set in full of the birchos of the aliyah were ever made. Then we had a takana put into place that every ola was allowed to say asher bachar banu before and asher nasan lanu afterwards. Now, Rav was living in a very, very early generation. Again, the Dora Ma'avar, the first, very first generation of Amorayim. And this takana had not yet been put into place. So if Rav was a Yisrael and Rav was therefore the third aliyah, so therefore it must be that if he didn't make a bracha afterwards, that there was a fourth aliyah because we only make a closing bracha after the fourth aliyah. So that means if Rav got shlishi, he was the most chashib in the room as it relates to being Israel, and he got the Israel aliyah. So therefore, it must be, lav mishum basre. it must therefore be that somebody had an aliyah after him. So by virtue of the fact that Rav was not the one making a bracha after his aliyah, that shows us that there's another aliyah. Says the Gemara, lo, you've made an error. Check this out. Rav bekahane karam. Rav got the Kohen Aliyah. Is that why he made the bracha at the beginning? Very good. Rav made a bracha at the beginning and not at the end, and it fits perfectly. Because before the Takana was instituted, the, first, the Kohen would make the opening bracha, but he wouldn't close it. Only the Shlishi guy would make a bracha after. Fits perfectly. That's it. The Gemara is going to say your language almost the same, except not in English, but it will say the same exact idea. Rav Bikani Kara, and there's precedent for that. Rav also, uh, also got the Kohen Aliyah. It says the Gemara, cute answer. Let's analyze and see if it makes sense. Five lines from the bottom. 
I could understand that Rav Huna is going to get this uh, very special aliyah. Even Ravami and Ravasi, who were themselves Kohanim and Chashive Da'ari Yisrael, and they were the, the holy ones of Eretz Yisrael, they were one of the greatest of the Rabbanim. They were Kafuf, they, were, they would subjugate themselves to Rav Huna, recognizing that Rav Huna was the Gadol Hador and that they were in the, in the concentric ring around him, but not the Gadol Hador. El but when it comes to Rav, Rav did not think of himself as a Gadol Hador. Shmuel was a coin, and, and Rav gave him that covet. He spoke of him very, very highly, which means how can Rav get coin? I could understand by Ravuna. The, the, everyone agrees Gadol Hador. Chaim Kanievsky, everybody agrees Gadol Hador. But what happens when you're not the Gadol Hador? How can you get coin? It says the Gemara, it's not really true. Really, Shmuel Nami makeup have a kaifle the Rav. Really, Shmuel would subjugate and tip his hat to Rav and say, Rav, you are greater than I am. But Rav was just a mensch. Rav who the avad le be kavod. He gave him kavod, but really Rav was greater. And when he was in front of him, he gave him that kavod. When he wasn't in front of him, he was willing, to, he would recognize his own role. And he was willing to take the Kohen Aliyah. Beautifully said uh, by Rab, because that's what the Gemara says. It must be logical, says the Gemara, that Rab accepted the Kohen Aliyah. If he got Shlishi, my time of Barich. Otherwise, why, why would you be saying the bracha beforehand if you got shlishi? Before the takana, there's no reason to make a bracha beforehand if you're shlishi. Only one person makes that bracha, and that is the person who gets kohen. Therefore, Rav must have gotten kohen. And if that's true, by the way, then it also means that Rav didn't get shlishi, and we therefore can't infer that there was another aliyah. So where we stand right now with the Gemara <laughs> is that there were only three aliyahs, or we don't know really how many aliyahs there were for a tainus tzib. So says the Gemara, that's not true. That's not true that uh, the only way he would have made a bracha beforehand is if, uh, is if he got Kohen. Maybe it was La'achar Takana. Maybe the Takana was instituted right then by Rav. Then really every Aliyah got before and after. Says the Gemara, that doesn't make sense at all. Because Ihachi, if that's true, then La'acharei nami livrich. You said that Rav didn't make a bracha afterwards. If, it's, if there was a Takana in place, so you will make a bracha and before and not after. So... You can't argue that there's a takana in place and therefore he got shlishi and said the bracha before but didn't say the bracha after. You have to say the bracha after, after the takana. So then how could you say that Rav didn't say the bracha afterwards? It says the Gemara, shiny, hecha the Yasiv Rav. Rav was the exception and not the rule, even when the takana was instituted. So now let's, let's say what the Gemara is saying is that the takana is in place. So I got an aliyah this morning. I said, Asher Bachar Banu before, there was a laning. And then I, uh, I said a bracha afterwards, like everybody else does. That's a takana. What about Rav? Rav was different. So it says the Gemara, Rav is not normal, even when the takana is in place. The Me'al Ayway, because people might come into the shul, but Me'pak Lo Nafke, they will definitely not leave the shul, not with him around, Rashi. Says the Gemara, Mepak lo nafke hilkach lefaneha barich. Why did he make the bracha beforehand, even at when he got whatever aliyah he got? Gzeira mishum anichnasim kide amrinon leel and laacharei lo barich the lo chayish leliotzin. The whole reason why the takana was put into place of saying these two brachos was because of the nichnasim leliotzin. But when people will show up into shul and they may may have a mis, uh, misunderstanding of uh, what it was what in halacha, it's not so clear. So that's why the Gemara says this. We basically have no way to learn so far with answer number two. We have no way of knowing whether or not a tinus tibor, which is our question, whether or not a tinus tibor has three or four liyas. Let's try again. Top line, chaf beis and base. 
says the Gemara, Toshma Zehaklal. Kol Sheyesh Ba Bitol Malacha Laam Kigon Tainus Tibor Vetishabab Koren Gimel. This seems pretty black on white. Here it says very clearly that it's a Tainus Tibor. And because there's Bitol Malacha, because people have to go to work, the day is very, very busy. So because there's Bitol Malacha, so therefore, says the Gemara, there's only three Elias. But a day where there is no Betel Malacha, Kigon I don't know about you guys. Today was a very long day at work. I don't think that there's a, such a thing as no Betel Malacha on Rosh Chodesh nowadays. Uh, maybe, yeah. Betel Malacha says the Gemara, So then they can, then they should have four Elias. Shmamino. Very, very simple. Why, why, why did the Gemara go through this whole uh, dance and song and dance to come up with this very, very simple brisa? Okay, let's continue. Omar Avashi, that's not what it says in our Mishnah. Ditznan, that's what at least the, it should say here. Ditznan, what did we say? We said, not like you said above. Zehaklal, here are the rules about how many Elias to get. If you have a day that has a Korban Musa, but no Isra Malacha, then it gets four. What does that come to imply? Doesn't that come to include Tainus Tibor where really there's four? Says the Gemara, if that's true, the Ravashi must need some money. According to Ravashi, if he were to say such a thing, so then who would be the author of such a brysa? Because what do they hold? Let's take a look at this brysa. The Tanya, the brysa writes in regards to Tishabav. Chalios, if Tishabav falls out, Besheni Vichamish on a Monday or on a Thursday, Korin Gimelu Maftir Echa, there's three Elias with Maftir. Bishlishi Virvi, if, if um, Tishabav falls out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, Kore Echad, only one Ola, which we never do. Um Maftir Echad, and then someone does Maftir. Rabbiosi Omer Laolam Korin Gimelu Maftir Echad, and if that's true, then we see that it should be three aliyahs and not four, because it says very clearly that it should be a Tainus Tibor. It's, we're talking about uh, Tishabav, and it should be Koran Gimel. So it says the Gemara, if, if that's true, then we don't understand what Zehaklal means. Velakasha, a third of the way down, Velakasha, Zehaklal. We don't understand what the Zehaklal means. It says the Gemara, La'asuye Mai, Lav La'asuye Rosh Chodesh Umoe. Doesn't that come to teach us about Rosh Chodesh? And about the Moed, says the Gemara, that's ridiculous. Of course, it, the, the Zeha Klal doesn't teach us that because Rosh Chodesh and Moed are explicitly spoken about in the Brisa, even the Mishnah. So says the Gemara, what is this Zeha Klal? Here, it doesn't mean to include a very particular case. It was just to make sure to reinforce the fact that we should know what the halacha is. The lotema, that we should never say that Yom Tov Moed ki that a day of Yom Tov and a day of Cholamoid, that they're similar. We should never say such a thing. Ella, what was the point of this Zehaklal? It was to say the following. Take the following rules in hand. Any day that has, has, has one leg up on its friend, Tafile Gavra, Yaseira. It also has more aliyahs on that day. Hilkach. When it comes to Rosh Chodesh and the Moedika Korban Musaf, Koran Arba, that on those days when there's a Korban Musaf but no Isr Malacha, so then we have four aliyahs, different than a regular weekday, because a regular weekday doesn't have Musaf. The Yom Tov, when it's a Yom Tov on top of Musaf, the Asr Ba'asiyas Malacha, so now there's a Siyas Malacha and Korban Musaf, so then we add two aliyahs to the basic uh, regular day, which is Chamisha. The Yom Akipurim to Anush Kares, where there's a special Onush of Kares, we take our weekday of three and add the three concern, the three additional causes of Musaf. And uh, what was the second one? Musaf, Isra, Malacha, and Kares. And that's Shisha. That's why on Yom Kippur we lay in six. And Shabbos, the Ika, Isra, Skila, Sheva. So we had a fourth one. 
Okay, so basically, the kids are uh, we, there's three uh, three aliyahs when it comes to a tiny tzibur. The Gemara says halfway down, going back to a discussion that we had on the previous page about uh, nefila sapayim, and we're going to learn a very important halacha called evan maski. It's about kneeling down or prostrating oneself over a rock or stone that is on the floor of a base medrash. A huge nafkimina lamaisa in this very base medrash that we had before they put in the carpet. Because that was all cement. Is that considered an event? So let's discuss not that saga. We'll discuss the saga generally in the Gemara. Halfway down, we're going to go to the top of the page and then we'll stop. Should be just a few more minutes. Gufa. We had learned on the previous Amud. I'm not going to repeat all the details. He went there for a tiny Sibor. There was laning. He started with an opening bracha. At the end, he didn't make a bracha afterwards. And then what did the what did the Gemara say about Rav? That Nafal Kule Alma Anpai, who everyone in the room prostrated themselves on the floor. But Rav, he stood there. Rav lo nafal alanpe. He didn't fall on his face. So says the Gemara, why? My time, a Rav lo nafal alanpe. We have a halacha called losis uh, godedu, that you're not allowed to losas agudos agudos. You're not allowed to have different groupings in the room. So the post can discuss taka by nefila sapai. My son put on tefillin baruch Hashem for the first time. He's like, what do I do with nefila sapai? It's machlokas between the gra and the mishnah brura. The gra felt that you're, you should still put your head down on the left side. It's not a bizayon to the tefillin. It's not at all. However, the Mishnah Brewer says because of losasu agudos agudos, you should never put your head down on your left arm. It is a bizayun, and everyone should do the same thing. So in that room, everyone should be putting their heads down on the hand that doesn't wear the tefillin. That's what the what the discussion is. So, but you can't stand out and not do not do tachanun at all. <laughs> That's not right. So says the Gemara because what was Rav's concern? Ritzba shelavanim haisa. The floor in front of him was made out of stone. <clears throat> the Tanya we have a brisa. The Eben Maskis was sitting about arzachem lishtachavosalah that the Evan Mosque is this slab of, uh, of rock, you're not allowed to bow down on it in your lands. What's the deal in the Braise? It's correct that in general, you're not allowed to do that in your land. But there's no problem of prostrating oneself in the Beis HaMikdash. And this is The only time there's a problematic is when it, that the Isra of Evan Mosque applies of kneeling down on uh, stone is when you are in your own land, but in in the base of Mikdash, it's permissible. It says the Gemara, Ihachi, if Rav's concern was Evan Maskis, my area Rav, if the floor of that base of Medrash where he was davening was made out of stone, it's not only Rav's problem of Evan Maskis, it's everybody's problem of Evan Maskis. How can anyone be Mishtachav? So the Gemara says, "Afilu kulunami." They all have the same problems. You can't, you can't do that. Only in the base of Mikdash is that much. It's an Doraisa. So says the Gemara, three fourths of the way down. No, no, no. Just kame de rav havoi. Just uh, the carpet was missing right in front of him, and just by him it was Evan Maskis. So he didn't want to bow down. Says the Gemara. I mean, seriously, move over. Move over to where everybody else is. Do what everybody else is doing. You can't move respectfully. You can't move over two feet to fulfill a halacha. Go move over two feet. We walk miles and miles and miles to fulfill halacha. To wash the tila sedai ma'im rishonim, you have to walk three mil. Uh, in order to wash ma'im achronim, you have to walk one mil. We walk very far. You can't walk two feet to do tachanun. What's the problem? So it says the Gemara, no. Lo tzibura. Rav knows the way these things work. You don't want, every time the Rav gets up, everybody's uh, stared, everybody has to stand up, they're distracted. It's Sircha Some say, no, Rav had a different problem that he did a different type of nefila sapayim that they did. They were kneeling down with their faces to the ground, but he did pishut yadayim viraglaim hava avid. 
It is the model of the belly flop on the floor, totally flat and prostrated out on the ground. And that's what he did. So he didn't, and Rashi discusses this, but it's Uche de Ula. What was the concern about that? To Amar Ula, lo asra Torah, elapishut yadayim braglaim bilvada. When it comes to Evan Maskis, so that's the Isra of Evan Maskis is not just kneeling down on it, it's pishut yadayim braglaim. So Rab's minak for Nafila Sapayim was Pishut Yadayim Viraglayim. And that is Taka the Isser of Evan Maskis when you do that. So says the Gemara, great, do what everybody in the else, everyone else in the room was doing. They weren't doing this kind of Nafila Sapayim. That was just Rab. Do what everybody else is doing. Put your head on the floor. Just don't lie out like everybody else. So it says the Gemara, he wasn't willing to do that because that's my Minog. I don't do that. So therefore, he didn't do it. Some people say that if you know of yourself that you're an Adam Chashuv, then the halacha is different. And this is uh, something that we learned as well in Masechah's Tainus. The Gemara says, last short line, Kid Rabbi Elazar. We see, we see that when a person uh, wants to prostrate themselves before a Kodesh Baruch Hu, they are not allowed to do so if they are a Chashuv person. Unless they know that their tefillahs will be answered like Yehoshua, Dixi, we're not going to go into the details, but this was the Pasuk that was quoted in the, in the Gemara and Tainus as well. So it says the Gemara, we therefore see that, um, that he was not willing to lie on the ground. Even though the Evan Maskis applied uh, in theory to everyone, it didn't apply it to everyone because they weren't doing the same Ishtach that he was, but he wouldn't change his minuk to theirs because it's his minuk. So he was stuck. He had no other choice. So he didn't do it at all. He didn't do any philosophy. Then the Gemara goes into an explanation, uh, eight lines, seven lines from the bottom, from Chafez Medalaf, into the various versions of bowing. What's kida? Kida is al apayim. It's on your face. And Emar batikod basheba apayim aretz. What's kriya? Kriya is al is al birkaim. That's on one's knees. V'chein hu omer michrua al birkav. What's ishtachavah? Ishtachavah. Zo pishut yadaim v'raglaim. Legs out, feet out. Shneimar havona vo anivi imelcha ve'achecha v'ishtachavos lecha arza. That we will lie down. This story of Yosef, of course, lying down flat on the ground. This is the third time I think we've seen this story. Uh, yeah, at least the third time. Says the Gemara Levi, the Amora, Achve Kida Kame de Rebbe. He was showing what Kida was for Rebbe, showing Rebbe what it was, Ve'itla, and he got injured. Levi was one of the authors of the Tosefta. Levi and Bar Kapar were also super, super early uh, Amorim, and they authored the organized version of the Tosefta. If you look in the back and you see a Tosefta, that was organized by Levi and Bar Kapar. So he got injured trying to show Rebbe what this uh, Kida looked like. So according to some of the Rishonim, the Kida was where um, you basically bow down and your head is on, your face is on the ground and you'd support yourself with your thumbs in some particular way. It's very hard to understand what everybody well, means. Clear, you know, the ground, also, I don't like know. It, it, it's, not it's not clear. It's not clear. It's not. But the Rishonim in Tainus, when it described it, it seemed didn't say anything about your feet being off the ground. No, I don't recall. Said, but it did say the thumbs. Thumbs were supporting you. So your thumbs you are standing. You're doing more than doing a push-up. You're holding up your whole body on your thumbs with your face on the ground as the tripod. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't have thought. I don't know. Anyways, he got injured. Says the Gemara, he didn't get injured because of that. This is what hurt him. That's not what happened. We saw in Masechah's Tainus that he was a little uh, little sharp at the Kodesh Baruch Wow, Whatever the story was over there. Levi. 
says the Gemara, we see that what injured him was that he said something disrespectful to Hashem. It wasn't because of the Kida. So it says the Gemara, he had two things going for him in the negative, um, and uh, two negatives is bad. Uh, in this case, they don't make a positive. It says the Gemara, that when it comes to Tatachanun, we see... Um, we see that when it comes to Abaye and Rava, we're already fourth century in the Amorim, so we're like 175, 100 years later than Rav. Uh, we see here that they were Matzle Atzluye when it came to Tachan, and when it came to Tinefila Sapaim. Take a look at Rashi. On their sides. They were not able to fall on their face. This was the compromise. If you feel all self-righteous one day and you're like, today is the day for Pishut Yadayim Vereglaim, and in fact, you're a Chashavayit, you're, you're a Rav, you're a Posek, it's us, or you're not allowed to do that. A regular person is allowed to do that. All of us are allowed to do that. But if you're a Posek of the community and people turn to you, you're not allowed to do that. That's not allowed. And this is the balance that led us to where we are now with Nefila Sapayim, according to some of the Mephorshim. That's the track that we're running here. We'll stop right here on the top of Chav Gimel. We'll pick up tomorrow night. Wishing you all a beautiful night.